back in James this morning, everybody. We're going back to James. And so we're going to read from James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. This is everybody's favorite verse. I know it. So this is what it says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Anybody? Can I get an amen? Oh, okay. All right. All right. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let's pray. Father God, I love your word. And I ask that it would just saturate every heart in this place. Um, thank you for being with us this morning. We love you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. All right. So some of you are having a little bit of deja vu right now. So here's, here's what's happening. If you were here back in July of last summer, I started preaching a series based on the book of James and it was off to a fiery start. I mean, some of you will remember, some of you won't and that's okay. But we talked about bear-sized transformation, uh, faith that works itself out in action as part of that transformation, a conversation on faith and favoritism or partiality and the power of our words. We hit all of those things. So James is about the kind of faith that actually works in our lives. Not a faith that is invisible to the world around us, but James is about a faith that is so infectious that once it gets a hold of your heart, it works its way out into every single area of your life. It engages you to get outside the walls of our church building and put your faith into action. So I, I hope, I hope, I, I really hope you were here last weekend to hear about the transformative work that God did through our outreach team. I mean, I, I'm still, we had, a, we had a meeting this week at the coffee house at Pure Bean, and we were just sharing stories. And uh, I mean, God is so, 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 so good. When you just step out and take your faith and take it to the streets and, and, and put action to it. But there was one message in there that back, back, back in the last summer that some of you might remember me referencing through and coming out of my sabbatical after walking through a, a really tough season. And it was actually in regard to the verse that we read together at the beginning. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Whew, my Lord, my Lord. I, I, don't, I don't really know if this is a verse that you really want to see fully worked out in your life. Well, I, I, I take that back. Yes, you do. Uh, but, the, but the journey can be so incredibly hard as it was for me. Um, and so two months, uh, just, to, just to kind of paint the picture, two months after I preached this message, um, just my, my world was kind of upended. And... Um, you know, papers were filed for, for my divorce. And if you've been around to hear the story, you know, she first talked to me about wanting to leave in early 2021. Um, but we had gone through critical level marriage counseling and I'd, I had some pillars in my life, you know, along with uh, Paul Kuzma, you've heard that name. He's a professional counselor provided by Foursquare, um, walking us through stuff. And I, and I thought we were gonna be all right. I really did. Um, but that Friday came, Friday, September 2nd, 2022 and she wanted to file and there really wasn't anything left that I could do at that point. And so she had made up her mind that divorce was, you know, kind of the, the, the best decision for her. And, and that broke me for, I've told the story. I don't, I'm trying not to retell the whole story, but I just want to catch some of you up for two months. 
I was in a really, really, really dark place. I mean, depression hit me in a big way for the first time in my life, two months. I was like down on the, on the floor. Doubt was creeping in to my spirit and sorrow like I had never experienced before. And this passage that I had taught back in July of 20, 2022, a year ago now, kept on coming back to me. And, and I don't know, I, I, I've been saying that we're gonna come back to this, this series in James. I just felt like I wanted to come back to this same section of scripture with a fresh perspective and a story on the other side of the biggest trial of various kinds in my life. And so that's what we're doing today. And then next week, we're gonna continue in the book of James where we left off last fall. But I, I really, I kept the outline the same. I'm just, I've got a different perspective coming on this. But it, so if you were here last fall and, and you, you were here that Sunday, uh, the, the, the notes I think on your, on your bulletin are exactly the same, but I'm coming at it from a totally different perspective. And so thank God again, by the way, you know, for Foursquare, um, the council here at Destiny for just giving me time to heal. I mean, I'm, I'm just so grateful. Uh, I, I had, I had a, a four month sabbatical and on the other side of that, I know that I absolutely you know, needed that. And uh, God is just so good. So let's jump in again. James chapter one. It ends with this encouragement. <laughs> he says, if anyone thinks he is religious. Now, now re remember the word religious here is, it's not a great word to many of us, right? Because we don't consider ourselves overly religious. To a lot of us in the room, we think Pharisees when we hear that word. The ones that kept Jesus, you know, that he kept on coming up against. Instead, you know, we consider ourselves, you know, I don't know, followers of Jesus. Um, but James means that when he says religious here. He's not talking about wearing the costume and, and going to church and standing up and sitting down and saying the right thing and praying the right prayer um, and giving the right amount of money or just you know, acting religious. He's talking about people who have faith in Jesus. So uh, if anyone thinks he is, and I'm gonna say it in the language that we, we use, if anyone thinks he is you know, a person of faith following Jesus and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's faith is worthless. See, that's James for you. He's just like, punch <laughs> right up in your grill. So James is like, oh, so you go to Destiny Four Square Church. Oh, you, you know, you're in a connect group. Oh, you're serving on a volunteer. Well, you know what? Your tongue is burning down bridges in your relationship right now. Therefore, all the rest of that stuff isn't worth anything. Wow, thank you, James. <laughs> Did we just get all legalistic up in here? <sighs> right? That's what it kind of feels like. So... Not really. James is, is, he's talking about faith. And, and he's not, here's what he's doing. He's not giving us a pass is what's happening. He's going, you, you know, you just cut your coworker down in, in front of six other people. And that is not making Jesus look really good right now at your company. James is right up in our grill. And this is what he goes on to say. He says, this is the kind of followers of Jesus that God, our father, accepts as pure and faultless. These are the kind of people whom God is going, yes, thank you. These are my followers. It's, it's the ones who visit orphans and widows in their affliction and those who uh, keep themselves unstained from the world. So James is saying, don't get me a faith that's all show and no go. 
Understand? And, and so don't give me a faith where it's all about the external and not about, you know, the internal. Here's what God wants. God wants people who don't burn other people's lives down with their tongues. And, and, and so God wants people who see every widow and every orphan and move in their direction. God's looking for that person. So that's, that's James. And so as we close out the book of James in the next few weeks, since we go through some more um, chapters, James has the potential really to change our lives. But hello, this is the best part about the book of James. I've always loved James as a youth pastor. I love to preach it. All of it is going to be stuff that we want and that we need. And all of it is going to be the kind of change that the world around us has been waiting to see the church exhibit. And, and so thank you, God, for the power of your word. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Thank you, because it has the power to change everything about our lives. And, and when we talk about God changing everything about our lives, this text that we're jumping into do today is crazy talk. It, it really is. Verse two, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. <laughs> thank you, Royce. I, you know, I didn't, there's not very many people that will amen that verse. <laughs> How come nobody's ever shouting, you know, when we read that verse, right? You know, we're two verses into the book and James, by the power of the Holy Spirit, says, hey, here's where I'd like to start, okay? A, my life's been radically changed by my brother and I'm a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus. Remember, if we back up, he, 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 didn't, he wasn't so fond of his brother at first, but now he's become, uh, he's, he's in love with his brother. He wants to, he calls him Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm writing to those of you who are now scattered out into the world. It's the whole idea that we're not all comfy holed up in Jerusalem anymore. But the persecution of Jerusalem is actually pushing out um, the church into the known world. And in light of that, here's where I'd like to begin with. I just want to absolutely, I just want you to absolutely consider it big, big, a big boatload of joy when we face all kinds of different trials in our lives. And people are like, James, you crazy. <laughs> you crazy. I'm not so sure I'm into that. That sounds like crazy talk to me. But what I'm learning about James is that it's all crazy talk in a world that's upside down, right? And because God is trying to set you and me right side up in an upside down world. And, and pretty much everything James is saying to us in an upside down world sounds like crazy talk. And surely, count it all joy, when you meet trials of various kinds, sounds like crazy talk. But, but if you go down just a little bit to the end of verse four, it gets a whole lot better. Verse four says this, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Can I get a, at least get an amen to that, right? Yeah. Amen. Who, who wants to be mature and complete, right? And, and that's how the NIV translates it. All of us do. And, and so who, who would like to be able to say about our lives, I'm not lacking anything in my personal development as a follower of Jesus, but I'm actually growing into the person that he has in mind. We, we all want that, but, but that result begins with a process. And that process is a little bit challenging. He says in verse three, for you know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. In other words, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. So we see the result and then we see the process. And then that's where we say, well, <laughs> 
I might be okay if I'm like not fully, completely, totally mature. <laughs> Just like kind of sort of mature because the process, the trials and the tests that allow me to become mature and complete, I, I might just be okay like being a junior science Christian. But God has a different picture in mind for you and God is looking at you and he sees, he sees something amazing in your life. Um, I asked this question the last time we were teaching this. When you go to the uh, academia in Florence, Italy, you go there to see wet sculpture. What do you, what do you go to see when you, when, you, when you go to academia? The David, right? You go to see that sculpture, David, and, and we have a picture of it just because, you know, we need to see it, see how big he is. I mean, we kind of forget that, it's huge. And, and it, it, everyone goes there to see this, you know, phenomenal work of art, but in the academia are also many other works of Michelangelo's, and one of them is called The Awakening. Remember this, if you were here? The Awakening. This is, this is one of the unfinished works of Michelangelo. It's called The Awakening. Obviously, because you can see this person is kind of, he's kind of coming out of the marble. He's kind of waking up. And the, the, he's striving and straining even to get out. And, and most of us have read or learned at some point in our journey that Michelangelo's approach and his concept to sculpting was unique. Michelangelo, he believed that the sculptor was a tool of God and that he, he was not creating, but simply revealing the power of, of what was already co contained inside of the, the, the marble. So Michelangelo's task was only to chip away at the excess to reveal what was inside. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. That's different from, you know, I've got a piece of marble and I'm going to carve out something. Michelangelo is looking at the marble and he says, I see David in there. And I want him to come out. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to let him out. And so when God, who is my author and he is my maker, he sees me today covered in whatever chaos I found myself in, he's sculpting to let me out. I, I love the picture. And what he wants to, to let out of, of that mess is, is a mature and complete version of myself. And so how is he going to do that? Is he going to clap his hands and snap his fingers? <laughs> because he's a miracle worker and, you know, voila, and I'm going to uh, appear. No, he's, 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 a lot of times he's more like Michelangelo with a mallet in one hand and a chisel in the other. And he's like, I see you in there. I see you and I'm letting you out because you are beautiful and you are stunning and, and powerful in my kingdom and gifted and you are amazing. And you have a destiny behind your, beyond your wildest dreams. That's who I'm calling out. I'm going to let you out of the rubble that is currently surrounding you. Come on, somebody. And so, and we all see the David and say, that's the kind of masterpiece I want to be. But many of us are walking around in this moment looking more like the awakening, right? <laughs> yeah, going, you, you, know, you, you can see that I have an arm, but it's not, not with a hand yet. <laughs> and you can see that I have legs, but it doesn't look like I could walk or run. And you, can, you can't really see my head yet because it hasn't fully emerged. And, and yes, I believe in Jesus, but somehow maybe you've stagnated in the process of completion. And what James is saying is when God is looking at you today, he's looking at, he's looking at the mature and complete version of you. And he's working to let you out of that encasement that you're in today, but here's how he's gonna let you out. <laughs> he's gonna let you out with a hammer and a chisel. Woo. 
These are the two things that we, you know, we keep at the top of our prayer list, prayer list to keep out of our lives, right? God, please take away the hammer. Please take away the chisel. Please get rid of the hammer. Please get rid of the chisel. And James says, hey, I want you to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, if you want to do a little Bible study and just dig down a little bit, there are some beautiful things in this text. Number one, he's just flat out telling us today that when the trials come, I want you to be joyful, right? That, that means you're either in a trial or it's on the way. And, and there is no theology that you can cook up that can stop that process. And if you do cook one up, you're gonna have to cut James one, two, three, and four out of your Bible because why would we need to count it all joy when you meet trials of various troubles, right? Right, by kinds. Because if, if there's a way in life with God that we would not have them. So the tool and the hammer are the tools of a loving God to get us out of the halfway and into the fullness of ourselves. James says, when you meet or face trials, when you encounter them, and this is an interesting phrase that only appears a couple times in the Bible, and there are negative connotations like when you fall into the midst of a trial or when you fall into a storm or when you fall into darkness, like, like when you fall into the talents. He also talks about trials of various kinds. And the, the word in the Greek, is multicolored. So, so when you go through all the various hues of aggravation, all the various shades of difficulty, an absolute rainbow of disappointment, that's when I want you to count it all joy. So James is saying it's not you know, that your boyfriend broke up with you and man, the world came to an end and that's terrible. And so I want you to count it all joy. But it's, it's like, oh, you know, so you have big plans for a great year. And March 2020 comes in and wrecks any semblance of normalcy for a season. And, and so you have to make some big decisions that some people don't like and you do all that you can to love people in the storm, but people are walking out of your life. Some of them don't come back. Finances take a hit. You know, you're, you're, you're worried about being able maybe to keep the staff at your job, your organization, whatever you're doing, you're, you have this is my story. You have a hernia surgery over on the East Coast because it's the cheapest that you can find. <laughs> and when you come back, your spouse that has been with you, you know, for 30 years wants to leave. Whew. So you slip into a deep and dark place. That was my story. It's hit. Remember, remember what we were talking about last week in the book of Joel? It's hit after hit after hit. It's locust after locust after locust. And James says, oh man, what a day, right? You've, you've got trouble coming in in all the various colors, all the different hues. Count it all joy. And we're like, who are you again, James, to be telling me this? Because <laughs> I don't know if I really need all the Greek in this text or not. I think the English version was giving me enough trouble. And so you've, you've heard my story. I, I kind of took hit after hit this past season, but maybe for you, it's cancer. Maybe for you, it's family strife. I'm talking about hardship. I'm talking about, you know, disappointment. I'm, I'm, not, tr I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but in the fall of 2020, you know, Foursquare connected me with a, a licensed counselor, Paul, at the Spiritual Retreat Center in West Virginia. And as a way of introduction, they had me fill out this whole slew, this assessment uh, papers to see where I was. You know how the counselor does that when the first time you meet with them? 
And uh, some of you have probably taken the Holmes and Ray stress uh, scale. And when I took it in the fall of 2020, you, you know, there was this list of things. And he says, man, you're red flagging it. <laughs> You've got this and this and this. And, I, and I, I, don't need, I don't need to list them out this morning, but you know, you're red flagging it. My guess is that there's more in this room you know, if you took that, that, that scale, that test, you might be there or have been red flagging it too. Um, James is saying, if you were to face a multicolored front and have all kinds of trials, you should take great joy in that. So the big question this morning, of course, is why? Why should I take great joy in a smorgasbord of pain and difficulty. And James says, because it's because you know something. It's because you know something. That's what he says. Look at verse three. He says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So many people that we look up to, the heroes in our lives, almost everyone in their stories has a story of perseverance. Um, I think about Richard Williams who lived in Compton with his wife, Brandy, and his three stepdaughters and his two daughters, Venus and Serena. And he aspired to turn Venus and Serena into professional tennis players. Um, he had prepared a plan for success since before they were born. And so Richard and Brandy coach Venus and Serena daily while he's working as a security guard and, and a nurse uh, respect, uh, respectively. And Richard works tirelessly to find a professional coach for the girls, creating brochures and you know, VHS video uh, cassettes and, uh, and to advertise their skills. But he goes through the years of struggle before finding any kind of success. And long story short, I, I love the, the movie that you know, just came out, Will Smith, and tells the whole story. But fast forward to the end of the story. At the end of age 15, 15 years old, Venus signs a contract with Reebok for $12 million, which is, this was a long time ago. It's equivalent to like 22 million if we figured it today. That's a nice contract. She goes on to win Wimbledon five times and become the first African-American woman to be ranked number one in the world. And Serena, who, who joined Venus as a professional two years later, would become a 23rd time Grand Slam champion, is considered by many to be the greatest female player in history. And so we know in many, many ways in life that perseverance has an extraordinary payoff. And it makes it worth it in the process. And James is saying, and you know that, right? You know that a testing of your walk with God or, or if in your faith in God produces something. It develops something in your life. And here's the something that it develops that is worth the process. Put this on your notes. This is, this is worth writing down. The process has a promise. The painter has a purpose. And the promise and the payoff is perseverance. Let me say that again, because I, I just, I, I, whew. The process has a promise. We'll, we'll, we'll walk all this out in just a second. The painter, talking about Heavenly Father, he has, he has a purpose. I, I'm just going to hues of ultramarine blues when I think about this. And the promise and the payoff is perseverance. 
Now, the word steadfastness here in the Greek, you know what it means? It means the ability to stay up under something. And so what's being developed in you and me is a strengthening component that allows us to stay up whatever comes our way in life. And the picture is that we get stronger and stronger and stronger. This little section of scripture right here is what carried me through the toughest season in my life. We talked about, you know, someone training to run a 10K, which I don't know anything about. I've never done that. But we talked about this. You've you've seen somebody preparing to run a race, a marathon. Have you had somebody in your life that's been doing that? So maybe they're they're preparing for a marathon or a triathlon. One of my daughters, um, Cynthia, she's done this before. She runs the, the grandma's marathon up in Duluth, Minnesota. So when some of the runners first start out, there's probably a day in their life where they thought, you know, I don't know if I could run a mile. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, there's some of us in our room that could raise our hand that could say that right now, right? And so when you think, you know, I'm gonna start running and then you get out there and you're like, whoa, a mile's a lot further than I thought, right? And you're like, I'm a wimp, I can't run a mile. And then finally, if you keep at it, you get to the place where you can run the mile. And really, oh, okay, I walked a little bit, and I, but I mostly ran a mile. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of in a process. And then you keep at it, and you kept at it, and you kept at it, and you kept at it. Well, now you're running about, you know, four, four and a half miles, and you're laughing at yourself at the one mile mark going, I remember like three months ago, I could barely run a mile. Right? But you stayed at it, and the testing, and the process, and the chiseling, of your muscles, because you, maybe you didn't love it all, but you stayed at it and you embraced the pain and you embraced the process and the promise. And now once you're into the third mile and the fourth mile, you're starting to go, there was a day that I couldn't even really think about running a mile without being completely exhausted and out of breath. But you persevered. And when you persevered, you developed the ability to stay up under the pressure. And now you can take the pressure for miles. Some of you, you can take the pressure for six miles or, or some of you can take the pressure for eight miles. Some of you are up to you know, 15 miles. Some of you can take marathon pressure. But you didn't walk out on day one with the kind of perseverance that you need to take marathon pressure. You had to develop that step by step by step by step. Embracing the process and the pain. And now you're living with this new ability. It's kind of like the guys in the CrossFit, you know, lifting enormous weights. If I did that, the first thing that would happen would be that I couldn't get off the ground, right? I couldn't lift it up off the ground. And that would be humiliating. But, but those CrossFit guys didn't start with all that weight, did they? they? They started to build up to the process of being able to stay up under the pressure. And so now when they put that weight over their heads, they're able to be complete and mature there. And, and they didn't lack anything necessary in that moment to be under that weight. And this is the process that God is doing in you and me. We always talk about the external benefits of suffering. You know, it's for the glory of God so that people can see Jesus in me. People can see how God is at work in my life when I'm going through the hard time. Sure. 
but it's not about the external only. It's also about the internal. It's how God's gonna make you the person that he wants you to be, and it's worth it. Whew. For those guys that go through that process, that training to be marathon runners, to be weightlifters, they are willing to pay some hefty prices. It's the price of time and commitment and blood and sweat and tears. While the nominal follower of Jesus says to God, don't do anything painful to me. It's sometimes the number one prayer in our life, right? No pain, please take the plane. Please stop the pain. Please don't put the chisel on me. No hammer, please. No more pain, no more difficulty. When the marathon runners and the weightlifters and the world champion tennis players are saying, oh, absolutely, I am subjecting myself to this because this is absolutely gonna be worth it. It just makes me wanna say, come on, James, keep talking to me, keep helping me understand that the pain is worth it and that the process is worth it and that the promise is worth it, that I might actually get to be where I'm right side up in an upside down world where I'm talking crazy talk, like, you know, God, it's okay if you need to use the chisel and the hammer today because I want out of this marble. I, I wanna be full and complete. I wanna walk in your purpose and plans for my life. I want to look like what you want me to look like and I don't wanna stay stuck. So these, the words there kind of communicate, what they communicate is my full potential complete, meaning having learned everything and added everything possible to my full potential, my greatest potential. I want to see you do that, God. And I want to be able to count it all joy, no matter what is going on in my life. So let's um, just close again with a few practical thoughts, we'll go through these really quick. How can we adjust? Because notice that at the end of James in verse 22, it says, be doers of the word, right? We know this verse and not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Hear that language kind of coming together? In other words, I cannot get by with walking out today and going, man, we heard a big word on rejoicing in trials. <laughs> Don't just hear this message today. He's saying, actually, count it all joy when an array of hardships come your way. So a few practical things I'm gonna have you write down um, some of the things, same things I gave you almost a year ago because I think some of us just need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. Number one, get ready. Get ready so that when the hardship comes, you won't fall prey to the most common trap in Christianity, which is to say, why is this happening to me? Just get ready today so that when the various trials come, you can go, I knew this was coming. I knew that, you know, this was gonna be a part of the process. I knew this was gonna be part of the story. I didn't know what, I didn't know when, I didn't default to, well, it's gonna be bad because you know, we live in a broken world. I just knew that God told me that hard times were coming. In fact, Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but 
Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And I believe Jesus when he said that. So here comes some of the tribulation. I already knew this was coming. So I can jump over the why is this happening question. And then I can just go to God, what do you want to do in this? What do you want to do in me? What are you doing? Because I'm here for that. I'm here for you. Ooh, come on. <laughs> Number two, practically, thank God for the hardship that you're in right now. Okay, oh, come on. That's, that's being a doer of the word. Come on. It, it, it is. That's being a doer of the word and not a hearer. You're like, I'm not going to do that. That sounds like a lack of faith. And, and I believe God's a miracle worker and, and God's going to change the situation. Look, you know, James never says anywhere in this letter. Hey, just let it be what it is and don't ask God to change any situation. It, that's, not, that's not the same thing as saying, God, I'm in a hardship now and instead of despising it, I'm actually gonna do what you asked me to do and I'm gonna count it all joy because I know something. And what I know is that you are making me complete and mature in this process. This is the way that you make me complete and mature. And so I'm going to thank you in this hardship. And when we thank God for the hardship, we take control of the story. And instead of being a victim floating down a current, we are now actually writing the narrative of the story. Come on. So the third practical thing, two more really fast. We need to reshape our view of hardship. Talk to somebody who's on the streets. You will find out real fast that you just throw, don't just throw money and resources at people to fix a problem. James gets real with us about hardship and he makes me wanna say, hi, I'm Sean, I'm a wimp, you know, I'm nearsighted, <laughs> I'm short-sighted. I've got this Western thinking that's going on and this misunderstanding, I'm a still growing follower of Jesus because it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that this letter was written in the shadow of the cross. And in the wake of this, you know, his resurrection, when the church exploded out of the, out of the death of Stephen, and so they were scattered into the known world to tell the world that Jesus was alive because this was the most important news that could be shared on the planet Earth to a human being. And on that way, it wasn't gonna be easy, but don't worry because God's gonna use the whole process. Yes, he is. He's gonna use it. Yes. Maybe God will even use something like a hard season in your life. Something that the enemy had planned for evil. Come on, God can turn it for good. Come on and make you mature and complete so that you won't lack anything. You, you will be able to do and to be the full version of who God created you to be. I'm just preaching to me right now. Amen. If nobody else needs it. <laughs> we need to redefine our idea of what trials and suffering and hardship and difficulty are because getting your latte order wrong does not qualify. Nope. <laughs> but when... It, but when the real trouble comes, when the various kinds, the rainbow, the plethora, when the real trouble comes, God is promising, don't you worry about those trials. In fact, you should expect them, but more than that, you should be happy about them because they're gonna bust you out of that marble and that stone and make you everything that you were created to be. And then lastly, very practically for me, I've been trying to get my head around this phrase. Let the pain and let the trial and let the hardship cause me to lean 
on Jesus. Lean just a little bit closer. Not to blame Jesus, which can be our default. You know, let, let the hardship cause me to lean on Jesus. That's instead of going, God, why are you doing this? Respond with, God, I need you more now than ever before. I'm just gonna lean in like never, I never have. And then you might go, oh, maybe that's why I'm here because this is right where you want me to be. You know, there's, there's a lot of weird theology in the church that isn't in the Bible. Like, God will never put you in a situation that you can't handle. That's wrong. But God will never put you in a situation that he can't handle. <laughs> He'll never put you under a trial that he can't handle. He'll, he'll, he'll never put you under persecution. That he'll, he'll never put you in a fire or a furnace that he can't handle. And that's the whole point of us maturing and becoming complete. It's coming to full wisdom and the revelation and the understanding that Jesus is enough in me to do anything and everything that I'm ever gonna be called on to do and to be in this world. Therefore, I'm gonna press through the now and I'm gonna let the hardship cause me to lean in a little bit closer. I'm not gonna let the enemy use the hardship to make me blame it on Jesus. James is talking about considering it all joy. The, the, scripture, the scriptures say about Jesus, you remember this? It was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. You hear that? For the joy set before him he endured the cross, despising its shame, and now sits down at the right hand of God. Count it all joy, church. Woo. Not if you get in any multicolored web of trials and difficulties, but when they come, start thanking God. We do this as parents, right? You're like, uh, son, I need you to be still. I'm, I'm just trying to get this splinter out of your foot. And yeah, I'm poking and I'm prodding on you, but it's, it's just gonna last for another second or two. And then daddy's gonna pull that out. But as long as you're squirming and you're kicking me in the face with both feet, we're gonna be here for a minute, <laughs> right? And I wonder sometimes if I might be better off just going, I don't like this hammer and chisel business, but I do wanna be the full version of me. So give me the grace today to not squirm and to let you do your work. Because the negativity in me needs to go and the faith needs to arise. That critical spirit needs to be chiseled out and a more faithful spirit needs to be in play. That short-sightedness, I, I need to lose that and I need a bigger view of what you're doing in the world and through me.
I, I, know, I know Holy Spirit has kind of had us in this, this journey of this comeback season. And, you know, I feel like I've told my story may, way too many times, maybe even. And uh, um, I'm not apologizing for that because I think that's, that's what the story that God has had me to tell. But, um, you know, God is so good and um, he's so faithful. And you know what, you know, just, just, you know, some of you asked the question or maybe think in your head, you know, the story for Deanna is good too. It is, it is. And, and, and God is doing good things in her life. And, and, and you know, that's, that's my former spouse, if you don't know. But here, here's where I'm at this morning. I am walking in joy, in fullness. And, 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 it, and it's like unspeakable joy. And so it's just, I, I wanted to share this message one more time, kind of at the other end of the spectrum for me, because when I shared it before, man, I was preaching to myself in the middle of the storm. And now I'm preaching it from the side of, man, God, you are so good. I've, I've watched you carry me through a storm. You know, it was, a, it was a hard, hard, hard season, but you've given me strength. You've given me peace. You've given me fullness of joy. And it doesn't even make sense sometimes, but you are so good. I, I, I would encourage you if, if, man, if today's message spoke to you, look up the message where I was talking about Jesus painting a picture with the crushed stone that was used to make the color royal blue, ultramarine blue. I was telling the story, the whole story, and I, I would encourage you to look it up. Maybe we can link it on the website, but God is just so, so, so good. And I just wanted to testify of that this morning. There will be joy in the morning. Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> yeah, we can celebrate. He's good. Come on. So here's where I want to start with just every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, maybe you've been in a season where, oh man, you've just been in a pit and maybe you've even felt disconnected from who Jesus is, or maybe you've never been a follower of Jesus before. And just like we're talking about at the beginning, religion is entirely something else. What we're talking about this morning is a relationship with Jesus and he's asking you to follow him. And that means, it doesn't mean that there isn't no suffering. We just learned that this morning, but he will, he promises to be with us. And then there is that promise of him building us back better. That's the kind of God he is. So if that's you this morning, I just wanna invite you maybe to number one, a comeback to walk in the fullness of all that he has for you because he's got a complete picture of who you are and it is good because he's good. Or maybe it's just coming to him for the first time and accepting him into your life. So with every head bowed um, and every eye closed, um, if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? We wanna pray with you this morning. We're not gonna embarrass you or single you out, but we just wanna pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. I see that, I see that. All right, here's what I wanna do. I want us to all pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for the journey. I know that you are good. And today, I just wanna say, with my whole life, I wanna follow you. I know you've got a picture of fullness for me, and I wanna walk in that. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for covering for me, for being my rescue. I wanna give you my life.
In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. So we have altar. Yeah, we can celebrate this morning. God is good. We have altar ministry workers that are going to be up here at the end of the service. Um, uh, but, but, but before we go, I, I just want to uh, pray one other prayer. We've, we're going to have a time of giving. But um, for all of us in the room, um, whether you're in a trial right now or not, I just want to pray for you. Father God, I know that your son is the Prince of Peace. And God, I pray that for those that are in a storm right now, you would come and make yourself known as the Prince of Peace. Holy Spirit, I know that you're the comforter. I pray right now that you would come in and be comforter in their lives. And, and Father God, I know that you give hope. And so even when there's songs and cries in the midnight hour, we know that your promise is that there's a, as a turning and you care for us and you love us. And if we just lean into you, that's, that's all we need to do. We just keep on coming back to you. You are our strength. You are our peace. You are our hope. You are our joy when it doesn't make sense. I pray for them this morning that, that they would be able to walk through this trial and come out on the other side with a picture of fullness, completeness, and maturity. God, we thank you for that. In your mighty name we pray, amen.